0: Okay, we're all in take five.
1: Hook 'em up with Ian e and Rod P brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn.
2: Friday on Ian Rod Hook hook 'em up. It's a football Friday. And no, uh, no Rick Flair Woo from uh, Rod today. He's out uh, dealing with a very, very important matter. His wife's water broke about 5.30 this morning, according to a call we got. So he is taking care of that business, and he's going to become a father for the first time. Of course, Melissa's wife will become a mother for the first time, and we're crossing our fingers, hoping the best for them, and I can't wait to hear how it all goes. But uh, Ty and I will man the ship. We already heard from Bobby Burton this hour. We heard from Steve Sarkeesian last hour as well, talking Texas Baylor this hour, bottom of it. As we get to our halfway point of our five-hour conversation. We will hear from uh, Craig Smoke, who covers the Baylor Bears on the daily. For Hookem for, for uh, Sick'em three sixty-five. Hookem Sick'em three sixty-five covering the Bears. Uh, his thoughts on this one and two Baylor Bears teams and their uh, their challenge against Texas on Saturday at six thirty. Uh, also, I just got a conference We talk to our friend Matt Mosley, Matt Mosley, who hosts a radio show up there in Waco and longtime. Uh, writer and voice in Dallas in the Metroplex, so we'll talk to Matt coming up before the end of the show. His thoughts on Baylor, Texas, and on this Cowboys situation and the injury to Trevon Diggs. How big of a uh, blow is it? it? Look, does it you know we're talking about we're, we're talking about uh, margins here, you know, very slim margins between what the 49ers do, what the Eagles are, and what the Cowboys are. And you know, losing a guy like Trevon Diggs, I don't know that you can overstate just how big that is. I mean, he is there. I mean, put put a list together of best players on the Cowboys roster. Well, Micah Parsons, their best player. I, how many got Zach Martin, Hall of Famer, at right guard? CeeDee Lamb. I think Trayvon Diggs a better player. I think I think CD. I think Trayvon Diggs, and and I I, I highlight this because Rod just mentioned it this week in one of his Rod's rants that the, that through two games after signing the big contract that he got during training camp and rightfully that there's no corner playing better than Trayvon Diggs so far this year, and Rod pointed out that. You know coming through high school and into college, he was planning to be a wide receiver. So he, he just got he got you know, Nick Saban in Alabama. He moved a corner, and you know what, what do they say? Ten thousand hours to master something. Uh, the Rods' opinion was that um, feels like he's mastered it because early in his career, when you had the one eleven eleven interception season, but you still felt like you could get Trayvon Diggs right. You could beat him with explosives. He'd gamble too much and uh, a risk taker, which which you love out of a player, but at the same time. You know it can also hurt, but you know he, I think he's he's cleaned some of that up, and he's just become a better all-round technical corner to go with the ball hawking. And you know this was the Cowboys' blueprint. You're going to have Trayvon Diggs on one side, Stephon Gilmore on the other, so we're going to cover better, which allows our pass rush to get home, which plays right into Trayvon Diggs. If if you have the best pass rush in the league, which the Cowboys through two weeks have had, they've had ten sacks. The ball get off, and the numbers tell you that they're elite with Micah Parsons and the rest. Well, that's going to force the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands, which plays right into Trayvon Diggs that you know jumping routes and making plays. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it ends the, their hopes of a Super Bowl tie, but you can't smirk at it and say it's not a huge deal. It's um, yeah, I mean, it's significant. A deal, but I, I I thought about it and
1: I posed the question in the first hour of Would you rather lose Dak or Trayvon Diggs? Well, yeah, I mean, I'd much rather lose. Well, Travon yeah, any Diggs.
2: team would say we I mean, if we lose our starting quarterback, the season's or over. Or if
1: there was a unit of which we lost, like the secondary, I can't. There's, that's the best depth on this team. In well, the
2: question—look—it the, the, lowers their ceiling a little bit. I mean, you—you go—they're still going to be a very good defense. I mean, Daron Bland will step in and play corner. Uh, the kid they traded for from Miami—I who I can't pronounce his last name—he's already got a touchdown this year. He'll just
1: be a backup. I mean, Jordan Lewis has been Jordan our Lewis is going to slide for in the slot a number of years. But you
2: look—I mean, for any team, you take an elite player, elite player. I mean, again, you build your roster in the NFL around five or six elite players. That's what you want. If you have that. And then you draft well and put, you know, consistent, reliable guys around those guys, you have a chance to be a great team. And, you know, but you know, when you lose one of your elite players, it, it's huge, right? Obviously Micah Parsons would be bigger, but he's pretty close to the top as far as key guys. Because the way they the Dan Quinn wants to play defense is, you know, lock it up in the back end, get that pass rush home. They want to just firm up their run defense too, which they've done to force teams into passing situations. And uh, you can still have that. It's just, you know, I mean, he's already got, he's already forced two turnovers in two games. I mean, you're talking about he was going to be a double digit turnover guy. Yeah. But and, and, it, this makes that Stefan Gilmore trade that much more important. Well, now though. he's really got to stay healthy. He's really, because he's 31 and he's battled some injury problems of his own of late. Because the problem will be if he, and, and I, I just think my opinion in football, you, if you have a 31 year old player, who's got that much you know, tread off his tires, you can expect him to miss a game or two somewhere along the way. You just can't. Uh, I just think you have, to, you have to. I mean, the Cowboys kind of expected with Tyron Smith their left tackle, but there's just at some point something's going to pull, back's going to seize up, you're going to miss a game or two. I'm not hoping that for anybody. I just think as an as a organization you have to plan for it. So now this you know, cuts, you, cuts you down uh, you know, a little bit of slack there on that side. Uh, and, again, you're chasing or in competition with the Niners and the Eagles – uh, to try to get to the Super Bowl, and those are two really, really good teams. And uh, Nat, look, by they also lost Demarvion Overshone in training camp to his knee injury. So that's two guys off of that defense that have gone been lost for the season in non-contact situations. That's very, very unfortunate. I think I saw where Demarvion just had his surgery yesterday, uh, and just had his procedure. He put up a picture. He's in high spirits. Yeah, he's in high spirits. But uh, I just, uh, you know, I hate it for Travon Diggs. I think everybody does, and I, 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 I don't want to walk to Dallas because. Actually, I would. I'm, I'm looking forward to the walk to Dallas if the Cowboys ever win the Super Bowl. But yeah, sure this is are. one of those kind of injuries that can impact that. Your ability to win. Because look, Trevon Diggs was going to cover Debo Samuel when they play the 49ers. He was going to be the guy you were going to trust to lock up on, on A.J. Brown when you play the Eagles. And now that's going to fall to somebody else. It just, it, it really does have a domino effect on, on can this be a great defense? Yes. Can it be the best defense ever in the NFL, which they, they, they're talking about? Uh, I think it, it hurts that chance uh, in a big way because he's one of the two or three best players on your entire team.
1: I agree. This, this defense is different. It's a very cohesive unit. Sure. I, I, we'll see this week. I mean, Without a doubt. I'm glad they're playing Arizona this week where you can kind of work to Ron Bland into that, that outside corner position. Uh, he's been playing all over the field. But, I, yeah, it hurts. I still think they have a chance to easily be the best defense in the league. Um, best defense ever. That's a different question. We'll see how that plays out through the rest of the year. And it, it
2: obviously you got to play a
1: real quarterback before we can make that any kind of judgment on that.
2: Yeah, well, because you saw the Niners last night hold the Giants to 150 total yards, 82
1: million dollars guaranteed to Daniel Jones. Yeah, he's that's not looking like the the best decision by the Giants front office
2: so far this year. Right, this is typical Texans fan. E. What's typical? What, what am I saying that's inaccurate? You're not. I'm, what have I said in the last four minutes? It's inaccurate. <laughs> nothing. What is that? So typical Texans fans are right? It's just uh, Cowboys
1: fans are a little swirly this morning, you know, losing, losing one of our players. Not, nothing has really gone wrong this year to this point.
2: Well, if you want to text and say something I just said that's inaccurate, that'd be fine, and we can debate that. But uh, name-calling! It's okay, the Texans, the
1: Texans aren't very the Texans good. Texans are no good. Well, that's why we don't talk about the Texans. Don't, don't, uh, don't beat them while he's down, guys.
2: I'm, I, I, hey, I'm, I'm accustomed to the Texans not winning. Don't worry about that. Hey, let's get to the headlines. Trending topics to start your Friday morning. Top Gun, rentals, and lawn equipment bring you the news. Yeah, NFL last night, week three kicked off in San Francisco. Niners rolled past the Giants 30-12. Game got a little bit compelling in their third quarter when the uh, Giants scored a touchdown to make it 17-12. Um, but that was it. Uh, Niners dominated from there to improve to 3-0 on the season. Their 13th straight regular season win. Brock Purdy remains unbeaten in games he starts and finishes. Threw for 3-10 and a pair of scores. One of those to Debo Samuel, about 129 yards receiving. Uh, running back Christian McCaffrey found the end zone for his 12th straight game, that ties Jerry Rice for a franchise record. Niners rolled up 440 yards to the Giants' 150. Terrible news for Dallas, as we mentioned. Confirmation that all-pro cornerback Trevon Diggs tore the ACL on his left knee during their morning practice at the Star Complex. He'll be out for the remainder of the season. Cowboys are 2-0. They'll travel to Arizona for a Sunday afternoon tilt there. 325. 0-2 Texans are at Jacksonville on Sunday. College football stage is set for a huge Saturday. First full day of the fall will include six-ranked matchups, seven matchups of unbeatens, including one in the Big 12 with Kansas and BYU, 13th-ranked Alabama hosting 15th-ranked Ole Miss in the SEC. Deion Sanders and his 19th-ranked Colorado Buffaloes are at Oregon to face the Ducks tomorrow afternoon. And then tomorrow night in South Bend, how about the top ten showdown of Blue Bloods, uh, Ninth ranked Notre Dame hosting 6th-ranked Ohio State. Of course, the Longhorns will be at McLean Stadium in Waco. Steve Sarkeesian and his third-ranked Texas team will begin their embrace-the-hate tour through the Big 12 facing
0: the Baylor Bears. Everywhere we go this year, everybody's going to try, try to take one more shot at Texas. Okay, so we can sit here and, and be a punching bag and just take it, or we can go attack people and, and make sure that they know they were in a fight too Saturday night, and that's our mentality going into this game.
2: Game kicks at 6.30. Our pregame coverage here on The Horn goes live at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, 4 to 6 from Dock's Backyard in Sunset Valley. Also here on The Horn tonight, game one of that huge baseball series up in Arlington. Rangers hosting Seattle with 10 games remaining in the regular season. The AL West rivals are in a flat-footed tie for second place in the AL West at 84-68. and 68. One half game back of Houston for first place. Tonight's game is the first of three and the first of seven meetings between the two teams over the next 10 days. And uh, Astros, by the way, host the Kansas City Royals this weekend uh, down at Minute Maid Park. The Round Rock Express are in Tacoma. Also this weekend, Sunday night at a Q2 stadium, Austin FC will host the LA Galaxy in a must-win game. They're going to make the postseason in the MLS this year. they got to win this one. They haven't won a match and gained three points in the MLS since mid-July.
3: Corn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to $100 off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero-turn rowers in stock this month at Top Gun. Topgun.net, we will shoot you straight.
2: Why do keep, people keep texting about the Texans? I didn't say a word about the Texans. Did I? I
1: no. People, people just, just assume you're, you're Houston Allegiance. I didn't is. say a
2: word about Houston. They're going to play at Jacksonville this week and likely lose, but even though they've dominated Jacksonville. I think they cover, though. Well, that'd be great. They've Eight and, almost, and a half, right almost now. double digits at this point. But uh, no, I didn't mention. We're talking about the Cowboys. I'm, I'm, I'm depressed for the Cowboys because I, I wanted to see this defense at full strength all year long. That's unfortunate. Uh, nothing more than that. But it's a big loss for the Cowboys. It would just as it would be a huge loss. You know, if the if the Forty Niners lost Fred Warner, their middle linebacker, or lost Nick Bosa, their rusher. I mean, these are these are critical players. That's why you pay them the big bucks. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a huge loss for the Cowboys. Uh, doesn't mean they can't win football games, but does it deter their ability to go win a Super Bowl? I think you have to consider that. Uh, but the Cowboys will wipe the floor with the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday afternoon. I think that is fair to say. Uh, but it's a, good, it's a good weekend of NFL. It's a great weekend of college football. Uh, can't wait for these games. Looking forward to uh, kind of separation Saturday. There's going to be a lot d- 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 determined. We mentioned, you know, you realize Alabama and uh, Clemson, you know, annually national title contenders as programs, they could be out of the race by before October if they don't handle business. Alabama's got Ole Miss coming to town. We've talked about Alabama's struggles on their offensive line and at quarterback. Uh, Longhorns went in there and sacked uh, Jalen Milrow five times. They've been had have a hard time protecting their QB, and Ole Miss has a really good pass rush in addition to what Lane Kiffin does on offense. Uh, Jackson Dart, their quarterback's having a heck of a year. You know, Ole Miss looks like the kind of like Texas, right? Ole Miss looks like the better team right now. Based on results early, uh, and you know Jackson Dart's a, a better quarterback than Jalen Uh Their running back Judkins is a better running back, uh, more dynamic at the, that position. I think their their defense is playing a little bit higher level at Ole Miss, but we'll see. It's Bama. It's a middle of the day game on CBS. Also, Clemson they're going to play eleven o'clock tomorrow, and they get Florida State. And this is that's a huge game for both teams. If Clemson loses and falls to two and two, the Dabo Swinney you know conversation will get ratcheted up even further that that program has slid. And Florida State, who has already beaten LSU, tie uh, in that game to, on Labor Day weekend, if they win this game and then post wins over LSU and Clemson in the first month, look out in the ACC. They struggled last
1: week against Boston College, though. That was kind of embarrassing. I, don't, I feel like this game will be a lot closer than some people might think.
2: Well, in, I, I, in I expect it to be a close game, without a doubt. I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I, no, I mean, but that'll be a challenge. If we go, It's always tough to play at Death Valley. I mean, the loss that Clemson had was that Duke, because on campus at Duke, that's a tough place to play at Clemson. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, close game. I mean, Clemson's I mean, a two-point line either way. That's about what I expect. This should be a heck of a game. But uh, Jordan Travis, their young quarterback at Florida State's really a good player. Uh, eight touchdowns, one pick. They can run the ball. They're playing great defense. Their defensive front and their pass rush might be the best in the country. I mean I think they're really, really good. So uh, Cade Klubnick, the former Westlake chaparral, he's gonna have a, a big challenge. And that's just the that's just the, the eleven o'clock game. I mean, you get two thirty, you got Colorado, Oregon, um Old Miss Alabama, obviously, UCLA Utah, that Utah team that beat Baylor uh, earlier this year and already beat Florida. Now they get a three and O Bruins team coached by Chip Kelly. Cameron Rising back this week though. And yes, Cam Rising returns for Utah. They've survived. You know, when we previewed Utah in our you know countdown, our top twenty countdown and that's what we had our Utah guest and um you know said can they survive early can they get get Cam rising back and and what is their record going to be with games against Florida and a trip to Waco they won both and now here they are at 3 and 0 let's not forget in this uh, this Pac-12 that is so good they're the two-time defending champions and now they get their experienced starting quarterback back who you know has led them to back-to-back conference titles and I mean it's a very what a great conference and it's unfortunate it's the last year for them but Gosh, uh, you've got eight ranked teams. You got a, you got Washington, USC, uh, who I think are thinking Final Four. One of the, uh, the Pac-12 team is going to be in the Final Four. Well, I, let's say I'm leaning towards Washington right now too. That that offense is next well, level. Well, look again, if you're leaning, just this is not because we're in Austin, Texas. The team you would favor is Texas right now because they don't have outside of Oklahoma. There's not another ranked team in their conference through three games and four games. Uh, I'm I'm right there with Texas. But but the, the problem with anybody in the Pac-12 is they've got to run that schedule. I mean, they've got to run their schedule. That's When you've got eight ranked teams, (laughs) I mean, that means you're going to play a ranked team almost every week in conference. Can you survive that? It reminds me back in uh, 2008 when the Big 12 was at its its high-water mark when Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech were all ranked in the top five or ten. And remember, that was the year the Longhorns played. In the month of October, they played four straight ranked teams. They had to play OU, highly ranked teams, by the way. Then they had to play Missouri. I mean, they had four in a row, and the fourth of it was Texas Tech, that night in, uh, in Lubbock, that we all, all Longhorn fans, you know, hate to remember, but that, that, was, that was a tired football team in that fourth game. I mean, they, they got fell behind 19 to 3 and then rallied back, and we know how the game ended, but they had some dead legs to start that game. That's going to be the big Pac 12 this year. I mean, can anybody run that gauntlet? Can anybody and stay undefeated? Because it's, it's going to be a challenge. You know, Washington gets California this week, but the best two teams on paper right now are Washington and USC. But we just mentioned Utah getting Cam Rising back, and they're undefeated. I mean, if you're Washington, you have to you have to host Oregon, you have to go to USC, you have to host Utah the next week, you got to go to Oregon State the following week. Think about that four game, three game stretch or four game stretch right now for Washington. November fourth through November 25th at USC, back home for Utah at Oregon State, home to Washington State in your rivalry game. That's four ranked teams right there in a row. Those four teams are a combined 12 and 0 right now. I mean, so, and two weeks previous, they have Oregon. I mean, that is a gauntlet. And I'm not saying Washington isn't really good. That's just tough to do. So you think these teams are just going to cannibalize themselves? It feels like it. I mean, so but, well, not a team look, if someone use. runs it, they're obviously going to the playoffs. and rightfully so.
1: So, in your mind, that is a,
2: sets himself apart from the other teams in the Pac-12 right now. As far as I've seen, Washington. But and, and, and USC is averaging 60 points a game, and their defense is improved this year to what it was been. Uh, but, again, they haven't played the gauntlet yet. I mean, USC has to do that. They're going to play. They, they, they beat Stanford 56-10 to, to open conference. They play at Arizona State. Then they go to Colorado. Uh, they got to go to Notre Dame, USC. How about that? Um, I mean, October 14th, let's not forget, they drop out of conference, Lincoln Riley's team, to go to South Bend. How about that little stretch for them? They go, they go to Notre Dame three or four weeks at Colorado, Two weeks later, they're at Notre Dame. Then they come home for Utah. Two weeks later, they play Washington, and then Oregon, and then UCLA. So, again, just look at the schedules of these Pac-12 teams and tell me who's going to run that. that. If they do, they, they, there's, obviously they deserve to be the number 1 team in the country. Coach Prime? Uh, well, I don't think they have the lines <laughs> of scrimmage to do that. I, I, I still think they might lose five or six games this year, Colorado, just based on that schedule. And it's a good thing because it's going to be compelling to watch, but I just don't know if anybody is good enough. And that's the other thing about it. Why are they so good? They have great quarterbacks, and it's hard to beat that many really good quarterbacks. I mean, you're just going to face a, a really, really good quarterback week after week after week. You don't get a break. And the fact that USC has to play at Notre Dame and this kid Sam Hartman, I mean, you're, I, mean I don't know that there's a team ever faced that many good quarterbacks in one season as they're going to have to face. And then they're going to have to play in the Pac-12 Championship. I mean, that this is I. I'm leaning towards saying that there won't be a Pac-12 team in the in the Final Four, based on what I just said and the fact that I don't think a two-loss team is going to make it.
1: A one-loss Pac-12 team could, though. I just, can. It, we'll see. Look, they're, they're, especially in a year where no team has really set themselves apart as like a dominant, like a you're Georgia's. Right. I mean, we they could still get there if Carson Beck improves, but there's not an Alabama that's a, a, a for sure number one this year. I think that helps the Pac-12's chances. And Texas' chances for that matter, because they're not a dominant, dominant team, even though we are number three in the nation.
2: Yeah, well, we'll see. It's a, it's, it, 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 you will have to prove yourself. Uh, meanwhile, Texas, that's why they're sitting in a good spot here if they can you know, raise their level and, and be more consistent on offense. They only don't, they don't, they have one ranked team, and it's a neutral site. And uh, you know, it's the Big 12, but there's not another team in the Big 12 ranked. I do think whoever wins the BYU Kansas game on Saturday uh, will be ranked. Uh, they will join Texas and Oklahoma. If both Texas and Oklahoma win. Uh, both Texas and OU have road games this week. Uh, OU's at Cincinnati. I don't know what to make of the of the Bearcats. Cincinnati lost Luke Fickle. You know Desmond Ritter's now in the NFL. Sauce Gardner's now in the NFL. And I was I was you know kind of high on what they were doing, and then they turned around and lost last week. I kind of like UCF this weekend against Kansas State. That's a big game too. I mean for not on a national stage, but for the Big 12. UCF Central Florida with Gus Malzahn will play at K-State. We know Bill Snyder Stadium is a tough place to play. K-State lost that heartbreaker last week at Missouri on the uh, 61-yard field goal to, to, to win it at the gun. Uh, so they come in 2-1, and one, but tough place to play. Uh, they're the defending Big 12 champs. And I mean, if you're at K-State, you say, you know if That wasn't a conference game. That was a road game against an SEC opponent. We're they still... lost the two Tulane last year and won the Big 12. They did. And uh, so, yes, i interested to see. Uh, it, look, it's kind of a, a revealing week because uh, you know if Texas struggles with this Baylor team, concerns should be raised, if, like they did with Wyoming last week for three quarters. Uh, I'm going to say that that was kind of the uh, the Alabama letdown, human nature, and then uh, you know Wyoming played a really good game. I think Wyoming's a pretty good football team. Let's for, not forget we're Texas. They they're the only team in the FBS who have, who have started three and and0 who played three teams who were in bowl games last year. They they didn't play an FCF's team. They played a Rice team that was in a bowl game last year. They played Alabama, who of course won the Sugar Bowl, and they played Wyoming, who was a bowl team a year ago. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that those were great bowls that Wyoming and Rice were in. I'm saying no other team has beaten three teams who went to bowl games last year. You haven't played any passies, so. no. Uh, and and it, well, the thing we know about Rice and Wyoming when we talked about them leading up to it is they both were very veteran teams with a coach with coaches who have built their programs and. You know JT Daniels. Uh, so again, that's that's some credit to Texas. That's why they're number three in the country right now. But you know it's conference play now, and uh, here comes Baylor. So I would, you know, I expect Texas to to dominate Baylor on Saturday. If they do, they'll stay where, where they are at number three, unless somebody loses ahead of them. Um, but and you know the biggest games are coming. Uh, and again, if Kansas beats BYU tomorrow, they'll be ranked when they come in here next week because Kansas is off to a very impressive three and zero start. Their you know their offense is great and their defense is improved at Kansas, but again, everyone's about to face the meat of their schedule. Close to double-digit underdogs, BYU, is this weekend. BYU's at close to one well, Nine and that, a half. Wow, that's a big number. Uh, well, look, BYU just went to Arkansas and beat Arkansas in Fayetteville. That's not an easy thing to do. Sam Pittman's team out of the SEC, that's an impressive win for BYU, and we'll see if they can follow that up with a tough road trip to Kansas. All right. Uh, all right. We'll we'll continue these conversations. Coming back though, let's learn more about this Baylor team from someone who covers them daily. Our friend Craig Smoke from Sikkim Three Sixty Five will get us his thoughts on uh, what's led to this one and two start for the Bears. Sawyer Robertson's a backup quarterback. They've got a Hurt running back as well. We'll get you all the details on that coming up. Also, before the end of the hour, we'll go off the record, and we're sending our thoughts to Rod and his wife. Rod's wife had her water break this morning, and they're on their way to having their first child, so we're really excited for him and hoping everything's going great there. We'll hear as we do and let you know as news breaks on that front, you'll certainly get it here on the Horn, on 101.9, on AM 1260. Download that Horn app. Listen to us with the touch of a button. Always on our website at hornfm.com and on YouTube, at The Horn, Austin, on our YouTube channel.
3: Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'Em Up, 1019-AM-1260, The Horn.
2: All right, so I looked it up during the break. Uh, in 2008, Texas played four straight highly ranked teams Went 3-1 and one and lost the fourth one. Think about this. Remember how good that Texas team was who deserved a better fate, right? I mean, um, Colt McCoy. Uh, the, the 2008 team for Texas was better than the 2019 that actually played for the national championship and then lost to Alabama when Colt got hurt. But, Rod, you know, Ty, you might have been a little bit too young to remember 08. Uh, I remember. That was one of the saddest it, days of my childhood. Well, and remember, they to, to start the month of October, they beat Colorado in Boulder. Colorado wasn't that good that year, but they were still pretty good team, program at the time. Then they went to the Red River Shootout and beat number one Oklahoma. Then they turned around and ho- hosted number eleven Missouri and won the game. Then they hosted number seven Oklahoma State and won the game. So you're playing three top eleven teams in a row, and then they went on the road to play Texas Tech, who at the time of the game was ranked number six in the country. So now you're playing your fourth top 10 team in a span of a month. And I I, I remember talking about that game. Would well, they have the legs? I mean, can you play get up that many times, especially a night game on the road in Lubbock? This was the first of the true road games because Oklahoma was the, was the, that was the 45-35 game, still maybe the best Texas OU game I've ever been to uh, with Jordan Shipley and Colt and everything that went on there uh, but then home games with Missouri and Oak State and then you knew that Texas Tech trip was going to be a challenge reason I bring that up is the Pac-12 is similar to that this year, maybe even you know tougher, and you know, USC is going to play a, an 8 week stretch where they play 6 ranked teams 6 ranked teams in 8 games uh, as I mentioned, Washington's going to play 4 in a row to end the season a couple on the road, I mean it's just I don't know if any, if any of those teams can handle that, now we know Oklahoma ha- lost to Texas and then turn around and played for the national championship. Longhorn fans still mad about that because uh, the tiebreaker rules in the Big 12 were bogus. So stupid. But and then Was it just looked at the BCS ranking, right? No, it was a Big 12 rule. But but there, it was the Big 12 tiebreaker Who was rule. the highest yeah. in the BCS ranking? Yeah. So. <laughs> and which we all thought it should be head-to-head. But remember, head-to-head didn't matter because it did matter. Texas beat Oklahoma, but Texas lost to Tech, and Oklahoma beat Tech. So it was just frustrating. But I still think the Longhorns— would have won that game. So every
1: team was eleven and one. Yes, yeah, and yes. that was Graham
2: Harrell. Yep, was the quarterback. Yep, Blake Gideon. Blake Gideon. Yeah. Um, Michael Crabtree. Sorry, uh, not to bring it up, but yeah. But if, if people remember the end of that game, they're they hate to remember the end of that game. But the uh, the the problem was they fell behind nineteen to three. They they got blown out in the first quarter and then came back and almost won the game. But I do think they they looked a little dead legged in that game. It's just it, you know trying to get up that many times. Uh, for for top eleven teams over a four week stretch, that's what the Pac twelve is going to turn into here coming up. We've seen the SEC be this kind of grind before too. Um, you know, in the in the Big Ten, you've got three top six six teams, and I think Penn State has shown with their win at Illinois last week and how good they've played early. Went over West Virginia. I think they're the real deal, and I think they're right there with Ohio State and and, and Michigan. Uh, we shall see there. Texas, meanwhile, you know they've got Oklahoma, and if they can win that game and play to a high level. They've got every chance to run this table there. Their, their destiny is in their control. Uh, I mean, every team can say that, but some teams have tougher roads than others. All right, so Texas plays Baylor. Let's dive into this. Let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. Uh, he is, he is uh, Craig, uh, Mike, uh, Craig Smoke from Sikkim 365. He covers the Baylor Bears on the Daily. He joined us yesterday, and we started by asking him uh, "What's the what's been the issue, what's the level of confidence with this Baylor team coming into this one with the Longhorns tomorrow night?
3: Well, I tell you guys, it's a very tumultuous right now in Waco, just as far as uh, how people are feeling about the direction of the program. Uh, big expectations, not to you know go make the playoff or anything crazy like that this year, but I think people expected them to be, you know, competitive and to not be one and two at this point. The Utah game, you thought was a good chance that you you might not win that one, um, but given the circumstances of even the Utes rolling in, the fact that that was a very winnable game, the way that it unfolded, the fact that you Um, you know, played their second and third string quarterbacks and couldn't find a way to seal the deal. Um, I mean, that's one that got away. Uh, And then you combine that with the the shocker against Texas State in the opener and people have been thrown for a loop early. And then you go beat Long Island and there's a two hour rain delay in the middle. And by the time you come back in the second half, it's just people are kind of already just sort of feeling like it's not as impressive as it should have been. And so you add all those things up and there's a lot of people who are just feeling a little bit of angst, a little nervous about the direction. There's others that feel like, hey, just everybody needs to chill out. But I think that this game this weekend is going to be very important and kind of uh, you know, showing people where they're really headed and where they kind of stack up against one of the best teams, if not the best team uh, in this conference. So it's been weird. It's been a little disappointing, I think, for a lot of people. Um, but it's only three games in. And this is a young team, so I think people uh, are still excited to see what they're capable of doing. But certainly not this start that uh, you know one would have expected uh, going into this season.
0: Hey Craig, obviously the, the um, loss of uh, Blake Shapen, the starting quarterback uh, for a few games, has been uh, really uh, devastating uh, on the offense. Uh, talk to us about what sawyer robinson is sawyer Robertson is capable of versus texas what are his limitations and do they need to coach do they need to coach up sawyer Robertson to win this game or coach around sawyer Robertson to win this game
3: yeah that's that's a really great question uh you know the thing about sawyer Robertson was when we first saw him you know obviously somebody who's still very young um he's got a tiny bit of experience compared to most quarterbacks and Um, You know, gets beat out by Shapin and handles it really well, but then gets thrust right into it, you know, quicker than probably expected due to Shapen's injury. And initially it was, you know, hey, things are going to be great. Doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but he can make some pretty throws. Also has a good bit of ability to be effective in the running game to kind of keep defenses off balance. But what's happened, guys, is uh, a couple weeks ago he gets his uh, ankle banged up, and that limited his ability or has limited his ability uh, to be as effective running the football. So you saw them last week um, not run him at all. They ran the ball 50 times and worked on the passing game a little bit, but really they just tried to establish a running game that otherwise hadn't been there, and they didn't try to run him at all. And it wasn't because they don't want him to be a part of the run game or or because you know they feel like they're just super confident they don't need to work on it. It's because they couldn't. It's because he, he's clearly dinged up. I don't know to what extent he's now healthier uh, this week, uh, but if they're not able to run the football with with him as an, an option from time to time, it's really hard to see um, how he's going to be super effective against this Texas defense. Because I don't think he's somebody that can just throw it around and pick them apart, if you will. Uh, I think he kind of has to have that other side of his game uh, to keep this offense rolling. So I'm I'm in, uh, intrigued by how Jeff Grimes and company are going to try and, and um, you know attack this defense, but. I don't think that um, you know Sawyer is somebody that can just sit back there and and pick you apart. They're going to have to take some shots, but I think they're just really banking on their ability to run the football and then to have him just kind of you know dink and dunk, if you will, maybe take a shot from time to time. But one thing last week with his ankle being the way that it was is there were passes just dying on the vine. I mean, you look back and there's just they're they're going halfway through to to their target and they're just fading and and ducking into the ground. So um, if that's not improved, it's hard to see them really doing too much other than just trying to, um, you know, take their shots where they can. But uh, that ankle is certainly something that's impacted him. And, um, you know, for Baylor's sake, they need him to feel a lot healthier and a lot better on that ankle this week.
2: Follow Craig Smoke on Twitter at Craig Smoke, S-M-O-A-K. As, uh, uh, host there on a, at, at Sikkim 365, writer and reporter as well, Bearcats uh, 365. Hey, Craig, uh, the defense now. I mean, look, I went back and watched the, uh, the the Texas State game. That was such a big win for folks in our area. And, boy, Texas State, that wasn't a fluky game. They just at times look more talented than Baylor. And then the Utah game was kind of a desperation game, and it felt like the defense – did their part and gave them a chance to to come back and get that huge win and win a Power 5 game. And then the, the two interceptions from the quarterback in the fourth quarter were brutal uh, to the cause. But the defense still seems like it can make some plays for Dave Aranda. How talented is that side of the ball?
3: Yeah, and I should add, I'm glad you brought up those interceptions uh, late in the Utah game. I mean, that, that was Sawyer as well, and uh, that was something that, you know, he's got to protect the football better, and that's something I'm sure Texas is, is licking their chops over because he's I'm still learning how to protect the football as a young quarterback, but defensively, you know, it's been a, a really weird story from the standpoint of, I think going into this season, if you say, Hey, what's your biggest concern on defense? Most people probably would have said like cornerback and you go into, you know, week four here and you ask people, what's probably the strength of defense. and I think they'd say cornerback, which is weird how that's worked out, but they've got just a good batch of young corners, freshmen and sophomores who have, um, you know, a lot of potential and have played really well. Now, granted here, here's the catch to that long Island didn't have Xavier worthy and Jatavian Sanders, <laughs> and, you know, Jordan Whittington and all these guys. And, and neither did Utah, Utah could barely throw the ball around with Bryson Barnes and with Nate Johnson, they really just used his legs. And, and that's what hurt Baylor late in that game. So they didn't throw the ball around. Um, and, you know, certainly Texas state did and um, they showed some vulnerabilities in that secondary. So, Uh, The corners have been a pleasant surprise, but I don't think as a whole they're as disruptive as they would like to be. I don't think they've gotten into the backfield as much as they would have liked. Uh, That's changed a little bit, got a couple sacks, got a little bit more into the backfield, um, you know, the past couple of games, but um, they have some guys, they've shown some ability to to make a play, get a pick here and there. But I think that's still very much a work in progress that side of the ball Um, linebackers, I think are, uh, that's really going to be an area that I'm watching uh, in, in this game tomorrow up front. They're, they're good to, to okay, but uh, still again, a lot of room there and then safeties um they've been a little dinged up. And so, you know, with Texas being able to just kill teams over the top, that's going to be fascinating to watch as well. So yeah, they do have some playmaking ability, but there are still a lot of question marks and I mean, they've faced no team, the caliber of Texas. So um, Dave Aranda and Matt Palich have their hands full, and I am fascinated to see how they're going to try to keep uh, Quinn Ewers and company in check or, or keep, keep it within um, you know, uh, an attainable margin to try and uh, help out this offense that has had trouble scoring points.
0: Hey, Craig, I want to ask you about the running game because that's a big part of why at least Wyoming could play ball control and try to choke the clock with these new clock rules. Um, how's the running game for Baylor? I know they got a lot of talent in that backfield with uh, Dominic Richardson coming to be a transfer pro and Reese as well, the running back. Is, is it possible that just based on the just kind of using the ground game that they could stay in this game, choke the clock out?
3: Yeah, I think that's what they'd love to be able to do because I don't think that, you know, they have the faith, or just the ability, quite frankly, uh, in Sawyer Robertson to to throw them to victory. I mean, he can take his shot so long as the running game is effective. If the running game is not effective, it, it's really hard to see what they're going to be able to do moving the football. So, yeah, I think they do have faith in that. If you uh, you know watch the game last week, uh, fifty carries, and you know some of that too is I think just not just kind of knowing you weren't effective that day in the passing mm-hmm. game for because of Sawyer's ankle or whatever it may have been, and also just the fact that you hadn't ran it all that well in the first couple of games. So there was an extreme focus against Long Island to run the football. Now, the thing about it is is that Richard Reese had kind of been, I don't know if it was sort of slowly ramping him up. He got a lot of usage last year as a true freshman. He was all Big 12, so it was a great season. But I think they made it a point to not, you know, run him nearly as much, especially here early on. And so, you know, Dominic Richardson was the guy they brought in to kind of be a, a de facto co-starter, if not be the, the starter sometimes. But unfortunately, right now he's hurt. Uh, he's not going to mm-hmm. be available. Wasn't available last week, won't be available, It looks like this week. So Reese got some run um, last week, and kind of you could tell they ramped him up a bit more. He'll be good to go. Um, but they really uh, leaned heavily on Dawson Pendergrass, who's a true freshman from Mineola, and he's just kind of a, you know, uh, I, I don't, he's, he's a, a shifty guy. He's got great vision. Uh, he's not breakaway, burnaway speed or anything like that. But he's just got really good field vision and seemed to be able to have a knack for just slipping in and finding the holes at the right time. So they, they gave him a lot of run last week. I think we'll see a bunch of him. I think that was kind of, you know, showing what, what they're going to try and do moving forward minus Richardson. Uh, then they had a little sprinkling of some of the, the other guys in, in the lineup that, um, you know, I think it'll still be Reese and Pendergrass for the most part, but you know, they can sit there and throw in a, a Jordan Jenkins, maybe for a carry or two. but yeah, Pendergrass kind of, I think just replaces Richardson, um, until Dom gets healthy. And, um, you know, I think they're hopeful in what they can do, but I think it's also going to be a heck of a grind against this Texas defensive front. So again, a, a, just a monstrous challenge for them and how they go about trying to, to attack and find holes in this Texas defense is going to be, you know, part of the great chess match, but, uh, yeah, that was definitely a focus for them last week. Off the record on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B is brought to you
0: by Viking Fence. When you think fences, think Viking Fence. <laughs> DD. Mega doo I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, I don't get break day and comb.
2: congratulations. Continue. Good sex in the sex in the Vic East. Thank you, Jimmy.
0: And
1: boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record.
0: Do it
2: live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live! And things thing sucks! Oh man, never sucks here on Ian Rod B. And we're rooting for Rod and his wife, Alyssa. They're, uh, I think you would imagine, at the hospital or headed to the hospital now. Her water broke this morning. Rod gave us a call about 5.30 and uh, they're off to become parents for the first time. So we're really excited for them. And uh, we know it's a girl. We know that's coming. And uh, we'll hope for the best. And so far throughout the pregnancy, everything's gone well. Just your routine appointments. So, fingers crossed. That all goes good with Rod, and as a texture said, it's going to be fun over the next uh, few weeks to tie to hear Rod's thoughts on on fatherhood. Right, he's forty something; he's in his early forties, and this is his first child. And uh, you know, that's always fun. I, I did it, and I had three children as a, well, I was doing this radio show or a radio show, and was able to talk through it. It's just it's life changing. Can't even imagine what that feels like. It's 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 unbelievable. It's a miracle. And, uh, you know, Rod will be a great father because he's, you know, very clean. He's very detail-oriented. And, uh, but this is, you know, he's a creature of habit like we all are. So this, this changes your, your habits. There's no doubt about that, What you can do and can't do. But uh, Rod not with us this morning. Uh, we are going to talk to, we just talked about the Longhorn stretch in 2008. That's similar to what, what's going on in the Pac-12. We are going to talk to Quan Cosby. Uh, next hour at some point. Also, Casey Studdard is going to drop in for his thoughts and account of what went on yesterday over at Westlake High School where he uh, reigned supreme, Ty, in the uh, punt, pass, and kick challenge over you. Video's out now. Video is out. We're at, uh, at Twitter? Twitter, Instagram. HornFM.com. Facebook. Facebook we'll soon be website up on hornfm.com. We'll get that up on our website and how long is the video so I know what I'm watching. It's, it's like 5 minutes. 5 minutes, not bad. It's a little, a little mini movie? A little mini movie of you and Casey and you you said it was hotter than you anticipated.
1: Yes. I and I wore the helmet the entire time.
2: <laughs> I love that.
1: That's dedicated to the bit. And I tried to take Commit it off. To the bit. And Casey was like, oh, hey, you know you know you can't take your helmet off when you're on the field. That's that's rule number 1." Penalty like, 15 yards. I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. You're right." So I I kept it on. I got pretty sweaty under there though. I I forgot what that's like.
2: Hey, it's been 10 years since you played football. Hey, what's the, uh, an off the record here, there's a, uh, we'll get back into this high school. I, I know that you, when you go to Westlake, all the, the parents and stuff, they bet on these games, don't they, right? They bet. Come on. Sure. There's a little betting, a little wagering yeah. going on. They put point spreads on each game, right? Well, I know this goes on. What is uh, what is the what is the line on this Lake Travis-Westlake game tonight? Probably
1: 21 points. Westlake favored? Yeah.
2: Lake Travis only given up 20 points all year.
1: They've been dog stomping them the past few years.
2: Okay, uh, I'll take the I'll take the points there. Okay, I'll take the points. Is that Lake Travis, good, you're good giving luck. me twenty one. Good luck with that. I'm taking the points. They don't. They don't have a quarterback. Does Westlake have a quarterback? Yeah. Zeni good from last year. No, I'm just kidding. Jackson uh, Kaiser, Jackson, Our, Deuce, oh, our little running
1: back, our own little Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, we'll see if they can. Or Jack Kaiser, sorry.
2: Hey, listen. Uh, Here's an off-the-record for you, Ty. Did you see Stephen A. Smith throw out the first pitch of the Yankees game last night? I have not
1: seen it. I heard it was horrendous. Could have been better.
2: Could have been a lot better. It wasn't 50-cent bad, but it didn't get to – you know. so you have the grass and then it gets to the dirt. It Uh didn't make it to the dirt before it hit the ground. I mean, it was a – Threw it straight into the ground. He threw it straight into the ground. Was this for a Phillies game? It was for a Yankees game. Yankees stadium. Is he a Yankees fan? I don't know what he is, but he can't throw. I think he played basketball growing up and coming through, but he cannot throw. One thing I know I can do because I've done it many times at the uh, Round Rock Express game and other ball games. I can throw out a first pitch. I can deliver a first pitch Under the,
1: with the pressure on. Pressure so you've, fine. You've done it before
2: several times. I, that throwing a ball has never. There's no. That's easy for me. That's one thing. A lot of things don't come easy, but that's easy. I like to imagine that i I'd, I'd be able to do that pretty easily. Yeah, and, and you know. I don't know. You just grow up throwing. I used to, but I also thought I
1: could beat Casey Sutter in a pun pass and kick challenge. I grew up so. playing,
2: and I used to throw. I used to get this tennis ball, and I would throw it like off my wall and field ground balls to myself for hours at a time. I could always throw. Um, you know, couldn't run very fast, and curve balls were a challenge. But I could throw, and uh, so I, yeah, i would do that. But Stephen A, come on, you got to be better than that. You, you, you had time to practice this. Remember, our president George W. Bush went out there and, and fired that thing in there. The That's a rocket. Did. Dude, you got you got time to practice. The one thing that is that that you got to get ready for is when you climb the mound, you're you're climbing the mound. I mean, it's up there, and then it's pretty steep down, and they have just watered it, and it's that p- it's purest form. No one's pitched on it, so it's it's kind of slippery. So if you don't wear the right shoes, that can become a challenge. And you're going to get booed if you try to not throw it from the from the rubber. You're gonna you got You can't throw it from the grass. What is that for the ladies? <laughs> Yeah, I've seen everybody does it. But that, that that's easier because you because because then once you get up there, your depth is off and it's a little slippery. So you got to practice. Got to practice a little, I would say. But that was weak, Stephen A. That's weak. Hopefully, Michael Irvin, whoever's your show host today, calls you out. What? Who's the the yelling guy? They all yell, but who's the guy that yells? That Mad Dog, Mad Dog Russo. He needs to give him some serious business on that terrible attempt. Weak. <laughs> I would use even the word feeble. I, I can't. Have you watched that show since we've no. seen that clip? No, we're doing the show and that's on. Yeah, that's true. I have watched McAfee when it's over when we He's get off good. the air. That's good. They get great guests and that's a good shake to See why he, it's so popular. He, he gets some. Uh, I some don't cuss I words out on ESPN. Yeah, they do. Well, they have to put a disclaimer out, but they drop some bombs. But yeah, he had. Uh, he always has great guests and uh, saw JJ Watt on there this week. Um, but I, I, I'm not a fan of the tank top. I know that's his deal. That's his bit. He's committed to it. I'm not big on the, the the guns out. I like it. And he stands the entire time. I used to do that. When, when Bucky and I first started doing the show together way back, I used to stand for the whole show. I'm going to start doing that. For five hours? Sure. It's good for you. Get you one of those standing desks? Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah, I need it because I need to be able to see all my screens. Once we get the new studio, we'll see if we get one of those in. Yeah. Well, I might have to because apparently it's going to be kind of like a closet. Might have to stand in a corner Hey we'll get you an update on Rod if we get it We'll also talk to Quan Cosby Matt Mosley will join us Uh, a longtime Dallas voice but also covering the Baylor Bears And Waco We'll get his thoughts before the end of the show And Casey Studdard is apparently going to join us live in studio For his account of the punt passing kick challenge That he won two events to one We're back Rolling on five hours a day five days a week On Ian Rod B Hook'em
0: Hey, what's up, folks? This is your Lifetime Longhorn Rod Bevers. The number three-ranked Texas Longhorns head to Waco this Saturday to take on the Baylor Bears, and their Longhorns will be looking for another win to go 4-0. Join Aaron Hogan and myself Saturday at Doc's Backyard in Sunset Valley for the Texas pregame show from 4 to 6 p.m. We'll be previewing Texas versus Baylor as they head into their first matchup in conference play. Enjoy $4 Bud Lights and sixty dollars pictures of Bud Light, Budweiser, and Michelob Ultra. There's plenty of seating indoor and outdoor, so come on out and hang out. Details online at hornfm.com
2: there it is viking fence uh, predicted earlier my viking fence defensive player of this game in in the preview is going to be jalen ford the middle linebacker who has already had a couple of picks or opportunities and this is this feels like a game where he's got to p- patrol that run game that outside zone of baylor and then you know drop into coverage they like to run a lot of play action and i'm going to go with uh, jalen here we'll see what happens on monday but viking fence is the premier fence company in austin texas and i tell you all the time about the uh, You know, the reasons why, and, you know, there's no one that does what they do. But if you're a uh, construction superintendent, uh, event planner, contractor, and you use temporary rental fence, you got to call Viking. Like, if you call Viking and build a permanent fence, you're not going to be talking to them for a long time uh, because their fences have the longest warranties and last forever. But... um, Temporary rental fence, you use that often. New project, new event, uh, and you need the perimeter security. Viking is always the call at 837-6411. They deliver every single time. And, again, their goal, and has been for 50 years, is to make sure you you don't worry about your perimeter security and your fencing and your lighting and bathroom services. You get to focus on that event. Make sure it runs smoothly, get your project done, uh, get the house built, whatever you're doing, but they do the, the perimeter better than anybody. They save you time, money, and headaches every single time. Uh, they've committed to prompt and courteous customer service from setup to teardown, flexible pricing plans, so you can hit that budget, and then, of course, the damage waiver rate eliminates any untimely chargebacks. Excellent work, great service, honest reputation with Viking Fence, 837-6411. Online at vikingfence.com. When you think fence of any kind, including temporary rental fence in Central Texas and beyond, think Viking.